Blog Talk Radio. to relax you know what that means it's time for a show that sadly is the only thing popping up in the lcs feed right now <laughs> uh, those guys are taking two weeks off at least and i hope that's the end of their hiatus and they come back next week because i feel bad for anyone looking at that feed and just seeing our show <laughs> oh, <laughs> but God. this is the original janksters <laughs> i'm kevin jank i'm peter jank <laughs> yay we are here. <laughs> yeah, the court mandated us to appear. And so here we are, serving our community service. Ah, uh, yes. Community. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a big Peter Jank birthday bonanza episode. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go. You know, technically one day early, but still. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're a day shy of my big, ugly 31. Uh, the, <laughs> the year I will become. 31. The year I will become. <laughs> they call that the Rob Zombie birthday. Yes. <laughs> it's the year where you it turn into year- a tiny midget who. Speaks German. No, speaks Spanish. Or speaks Spanish, but is a yeah, but is a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. What? <laughs> uh, Rob Zombie, your imagination is limitless. <laughs> your imagination is limitless, as long as everyone says fuck every other word. <laughs> <laughs> And limit this when it comes to the word fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a, a special episode where we'll uh, – I did watch Jason X, so we'll uh, we'll get into that for sure. But I think I'm going to try to push this list out. Um, but basically, uh, as I said last week for all of – none of you who listen, uh, I said I was going to try to do my top 15 board games uh, this week, which unfortunately – I just couldn't do. So I pushed out 20 instead. So uh, basically, uh, I'm going to go through 20 board games. I don't remember what my list was last year because I'll tell you right now, my list from last year to this year is drastically, drastically different. Um, wow. It's crazy the amount of games that I must have played between last, uh, this year and last year, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, there's yeah, apparently games that have showed up. But my God, is this list crazy? I, and I looked on Board Game Geek, which is a website for, uh, you know, finding out news about board games or finding out what a board, you know, what board games are big or information about board games. But you could also rate board games on your own played. 
uh, a total. Let me go to Board Game Geek right now. So in my Board Game Geek list, it says that I've played 131 games, not in the last year, but throughout my oh, entire life. Insane. <laughs> Damn, that's um, everything. I like have, even like the uh, Tornado Alley and all that stuff <laughs> from way back yeah, in the day. I put all that. Yep. That's everything that I could have possibly nice. thought of. Uh, that's including Monopoly, Clue, and all those wacky, crazy games, um, which is really hard for me to even rate. But there's still yeah. games, and I'll still appreciate <laughs> them for what they are, for sure. Um, but As long as you rated Monopoly yeah, number one, then we're okay. So here's my list. Uh, of my top ten games. I don't know. Do you want to do the top, or do you want to do the the crazy ten songs? Oh yeah, I haven't done that in a while. So. <laughs> Let's see. Mm. Even though it's twenty, just play it twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll do it at the, at the like the halftime show. We'll play it again. <laughs> Hello, women, this is number eight. Now you can all lay them straight. Open the door to your fuzzy elephant. Nine, ten. Never sleep again. Alrighty, everybody. So, again, uh, these are my top 20 board games of all time. And I kind of Kevin oh, one shit. on three of these, which really, really kind of, I don't like doing, but they're so similar. It was just like, well, or they're like, I couldn't find a place to put them, so I just pushed them together. Um, <laughs> that right. there are ties. So my number. You know, I can't be against that. that. <laughs> uh, I know you want to, though. I know you want to try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all about ties. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done a list where I didn't have at least one or two ties. That's true. Well, I've got three of them because it was just too hard. All right, so number 20 is a game that you and I have played and Nick has played, and it's a tie. It's the first tie (laughs) of three. It's a tie between Machi Koro Koro, and (laughs) Valeria Card Kingdoms. Uh, Basically, this is a really, really fun game where uh, you start with, like, two basic cards. I think it's, like, a normally like a four and a five is the numbers that are on each one of them. And then you roll some dice. What you're doing is you're trying to roll those fours and or fives. And basically you'll be gaining resources, uh, mainly gold. So you can go and look on the boards, try to grab new cards that have brand new numbers on them. And this will keep going until either somebody meets the objective of some kind of goal at the end of the game. Um, or, uh, or until, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the goal. You want to meet the objective. In Machi Koro, I think the main objective is to complete three three of the special cards, I think. Um, it's been a while. Like, the special purple cards. Yeah. Uh, you're good. good question. I don't remember what the um, actual objective was. Or if we just had, what, or was it only a certain amount of turns? I don't know. Um, I think it was the, you had to complete three purple cards. I think that's what it was. Okay. Because you had three yeah, purple that cards that... Be. 
give you some really good effects. And once the third one's completed, or once I don't know, one of them's really really expensive, so you're, you're just continuously trying to buy uh, get gold. But um, yeah, in this game, uh, in Card uh, Card Kingdoms Valeria, basically what you're trying to do is the same thing: you're just buying cards with the currency they get. Three different currencies in this game. One of them's just victory points, but the other two, oh no. Three, yeah, no, there are three. Uh, there's one that's fight, there's one that's magic, and the one that, there's one that's gold. Yes, I'm sick. So basically, in this game, <laughs> you're just doing the exact same thing. You're purchasing new cards and doing all that fun stuff. And uh, this game ends once five of the ten, 12 stacks are completely diminished. Uh, there's 12 stacks, obviously one for each number in the game. Um, and once five of those are diminished in the card buying area, or once all the monsters are completely uh, defeated, then at that point, that's when you, uh, the game ends. And we count up all those victory points, and whoever has the most wins. Uh, but that's those two. I really enjoy that game. Um, I like Valeria probably more, but the two games are almost identical. The same mechanics apply. Just to me, Valeria came out afterwards, so they just kind of tweaked the game to be uh, a little bit better or a little bit more streamlined, where like there's no downtime. Oh. Everybody's always rolling. Oh, everybody's always getting shit. And I love getting shit. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it. when we played Machi Koro, there wasn't that much downtime. I feel like even when it wasn't your turn, you're still getting points and shit. Yeah, yeah. In Machi Koro, there, there is times where, like, if somebody rolls on your red card, uh, that means they owe for you. They owe money to you. Like, the red cards were, like, restaurants or, like, businesses that uh, sold some kind of a merchandise. So if anybody rolled, your number on those cards, they actually gave you gold, which is cool. I like, I like that idea, but every yeah. single turn is like that in Valeria. <laughs> if anybody rolls your number, no. you're just getting stuff. You don't take it from the other player. <laughs> there are some cards that do that, but every single card is, all right, I'm going to take some of this. I'm going to take some of this. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> um, I just feel like a hungry, hungry hippo playing that game. All right, <laughs> moving on. To my number nine, which, God, I hope I get. This is like the one time, Kevin, where I'm like, it's a it's a fantasy game, and I want the sci-fi edition. I don't want the fantasy Ooh. edition. <laughs> it's a game called Terra Mystica. Um, Terra Mystica is one of the heaviest learning games I've ever played. There's a lot going on in this game, but basically. What you do in this game is you have a board, um, and it's asymmetrical. So basically everybody has a different kind of like starting board. Well, player board, rather. And uh, the player boards basically just signify all the different buildings that you could put onto certain lands. And you are trying to take over a lot of lands uh, by either changing them to your land, hence the name Terra Mystica. You're, you're kind of like terraforming these lands to meet your requirements or try to take out some of your other opponents in the game. Um, It's a very, very unique game. I know it's been on almost, I think it might be on the top 10 board games of all time on board game geek as well. Um, But it's it's a heavy game. There is, there is a lot going on in the game. I find this game very fun, very unique. Um, Gaia project is the sci-fi edition. It was a reskinning, retheming, and kind of a reworking where they streamline some of the ideas to make it slightly, I wouldn't say it's easier to learn, but 
uh, some of the things in Terra Mystica is like, all right, you can do this, 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 this for this. So it's, that that was five different things you could do. Where in Gaia Project, <laughs> I think there's there's like there is almost like five things to do, but they've meshed some of them together. So it's not like, oh man, I want to do this, but I can't this turn. So I guess I'm going to have to do that. Where in Gaia Project, it is okay. I can do this because it triggers this this turn. So it's a lot more. Uh, it, hmm. it, everything's a little bit more streamlined uh, in Gaia Project. Okay. Um, I also like in Gaia Project that instead of like just terraforming the actual land, you know, in the the land you're in, the, uh, the realm you're in in this fantasy world, in Gaia Project, you get to terraform planets. Um, you can also travel to these different planets, and you got a little spaceship mm-hmm. that does that. It is, it's pretty cool. Um, and then instead of just like these different like fantasy races, you have different alien races that you get to choose from, which are asymmetrical, which is really cool because every race or every player card basically has a special ability that the opponents don't have, and then vice versa, of course. So I might oh, I thought you meant like all the aliens else. look asymmetrical. I was like, huh? No, not choice. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, in the board game world, I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, board game world. That's what we call it. Is, uh, there's asymmetric games where the players all have different powers that, uh, from one another. So I don't know now. That, now that I'm thinking about, it, what does asymmetrical world mean outside the real world? <laughs> oh, well, that's a good question. I've never heard of an asymmetrical right. world. <laughs> well, let me see real quick. Hold on. I know the word just means like you know not symmetrical. Where like one side of their face would look different than the other side of their face. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it is different. So like all the races are different. Basically, we do not start with the same stuff as uh, one another. So that's that's the cool thing oh, about okay. Terra Mystica or Gaia Project is I don't have a one up on you. I just have something different than which is neat. Um, and from what I could tell, the games are fairly balanced. So uh, I know that in Terra Mystica, people who are like, they're just way too hardcore in certain games. These are the people who are like, oh yeah, no, this this race is definitely more powerful than that race. Well, you're playing the game like it's a tournament. Let's calm that down a little bit. <laughs> so I don't like that, but I, I do like this game because it is, it's got a, Again, I brought this up the other day. It's kind of like uh, Warcrafty, where I can't put my one building out right away. I, I just can't. I have to have certain other buildings out before I can play different buildings. And when I put certain buildings yeah. out, I get more currency, as if I'm building new structures that are giving me money throughout the game. So every turn, I'm getting more stuff for the amount of buildings that I put out, kind of like the farms in Warcraft, where the more farms I put out, the more soldiers I can uh, uh, train. So... Uh, it's yeah. kind of like that. And the thing, why this is so heavy is because you are the one who's managing all this. It's not a computer. It's not calculated any other way. <laughs> oh, you have to manage this. So that's why it's a little heavier. There's things to manage in this game. It's a brain burner. I've never won this game, but I really do enjoy the mechanics. I love the, uh, and I love just the way that everything kind of goes out. I get more stuff and then I can upgrade stuff. It's really cool. I like this game. Nice. Um, uh, but yeah, that's my number 19, Terra Mystica or Gaia Project, I guess. It's not really a tie because I haven't played Gaia Project, but they are the, the, <laughs> the exact same game by the same, but in theory, same designer, cooler. same everything. It is. I would, I would rather play Gaia Project, personally. 
but I haven't gotten that to the table yet. I'm hoping to get it to the table uh, one day. All right. My number 18 is the second tie. Um, both these games are deck-building games. They're deck-building games. Uh, the first one's Ascension, and the other one is Mystic Fail. Now, I say that the deck-building games, but they are very different games. But these are two games where I could not figure out where to uh, on the list. So I just kind of put them together because I think I like them equally. Uh, both of them are, I would say, engine-building games, though, where you're slowly building this engine, accumulating more stuff to attach to this engine to make your engine even better and more refined. Um, Ascension is a okay. game where you don't attack other players very often. You might affect them a little bit, but you're not attacking them. It's more or less buying stuff to put into your deck to make your deck better, and then also then killing monsters to gain victory points, basically. And you're doing this the best you can by applying different cards into your deck and uh, basically just building that engine the way that you want to, hopefully having a certain cards combo off other cards and just tweaking everything to the point to where your deck is just like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just a machine just accumulating these uh, attack points to kill these goddamn monsters that are everywhere. Where Mystic Veil does something similar uh, but the cool thing with Mystic Veil is it's, they don't call it a deck building game. They call it a card crafting game. Uh, basically, every single one of your basic cards are in sleeves, and the cards that you're going to be buying are translucent, except for one-third of them, where you're going to slide your card into that sleeve, and it's going to take up one, a, a slot of one-third. You've got a top, a middle, and a bottom. So basically, you're not just refining your deck, but you're refining the card itself. And you're going to be trying to build this engine. Oh. The way that the game plays out is you're planting these cards in what is called your field. And you're taking one card off the top of the deck and placing it down into your field. And then once you get to a certain point, I'm not going to go through every single mechanic, but as long as you don't spoil, your engine kicks off. And this will give you both uh, buying power. It'll give you hopefully some victory points when you play certain cards. Uh, and then also what is called this like spir spirit energy. And what you're going to be doing is you're trying to buy new cards to hopefully acquire you some new spirit energy because you can use that spirit energy to uh, uh, purchase these veils. These veils aren't like endgame uh, requirements, but they give you a whole bunch of, uh, what are they called, kind of like uh, victory points. So the more of these you have in your, in, your, in your play area, the better off you're going to have at winning the game. At a certain point, the game's going to end just like Ascension, you have a, a pool of victory points, uh, crystals. Yes, Kevin, those sweet, sweet crystals that I put in every game. Yeah. Mystic Veil. Actually, Mystic Veil has a bunch of tokens that look like crystals, but you better be, you better damn believe I replaced those tokens with some crystals. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. The American thing to do. Basically, once the pool is empty, the game end is triggered, and then we count up the amount of victory points we have that are both the crystals themselves, the physical crystals, or certain cards will also have uh, these uh, victory point icons on the cards as well, also adding to your total score. The exact same way Ascension works, there's a, uh, a victory point pool. You're going to be taking them and pulling them into your area. Once they're all done, the game is triggered, and then uh, the game ends. You count up all the crystals, and you count up all the points on your cards. Um, games are amazing. I love building this engine. I love tweaking the engine the way... I want to tweak it, I guess. Um, 
you are limited to the amount of cards that you're, you could buy. Like, I could see all the cards that I want to purchase, but so can everybody else. So, like, maybe I end my turn, and I'm like, well, hopefully I can get that card. Somebody can take that card before I get there, though, and that's the one oh, shit. random part. So you don't know what's coming up off the top of the deck, and you don't know when people are going to be buying your cards. So that's the one thing that's uh, kind of crappy. You can't build a strategic plan. You have to be very tactical yeah. in everything that you're doing. It's all right. It's my turn. All right. What's my plan here? Instead of all right, uh, I can think of my plan. I can think of all my turns. Six six turns from now. You can't do that in this game. It's just no way. Or either yeah, one. you just gotta but, adapt every yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm more of a tactical thinker than a long term thinker. I can't really go for the strategic uh, strategies ever because I, that's just how my brain works. So usually, like, and that's why in, like, most games that you and I play or most games that I ever play, I'm more aggressive because I'm always in the moment <laughs> instead of, like, uh, the long-term planning. Like, all right, I- I'm not going to attack you for now because I'm going to try to build something up. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to try to attack you now because I don't know what I'm <laughs> yeah. doing next turn. <laughs> and that's usually, and I was telling this to Kevin and both uh, my, pretty much anybody I play with, because of my thinking, I either win really quickly or I lose very quickly, and that's <laughs> and that's my fault, I guess. But uh, the only game I take a long time in thinking about certain moves is uh, probably Tactic Legends, which is ironic because oh, yeah. the game has the word tactic in it, and I don't really I try to build <laughs> some kind of an idea. But man, I love that game. God damn, I want to play that game again. Anyways, that's such a great game. Um, I hope that makes the list. list. I'm not sure yet. I hope so too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's my number 18, the tie between Ascension and Mystic Veil. Moving on to number 17. Number 17 is my favorite dungeon crawling game. Now, I have a few dungeon crawling games, and they all span from being very, very difficult, like Dungeon, uh, dungeon Something? Dungeon Something? Dungeon Something. What is it called? <laughs> it is called... Where the hell did I put it? Dungeon Mash. Dungeon Quest. Dungeon Quest, where it's very, very difficult, like Dungeon Quest. Um, I don't, I didn't put that on the list. Mass More is a very simple, kid-friendly game, which I really, really love. Um, but that one just missed the list. Uh, but my number seventeen is the heaviest of them all, Gloomhaven. This dropped <laughs> significantly from last year. From what I remember, last year, this, I think, was number two or three. It was one of those yeah. two, two slots. Um, that's what the rave was last year for me, was Gloomhaven. I love playing this game. It's just, for me, it doesn't hit the table as often, mainly because of hmm. because it's so heavy. Not only It's not really heavy as in playing. It's really <laughs> easy to learn. But it's physically fucking heavy. It's a very heavy game. <laughs> And there's a lot of parts in this box. And it's just like, oh, it's just a pain in the ass to get to the table. So it's one of those games where it's just like, I wish I could play it more often, but I don't want to fiddle around with all these fiddly bits. Um, (laughs) But basically in Gloomhaven, yeah, it's still a remarkable game, and it's still a remarkable achievement for the guy who created it because it went from a guy who's only made one other game in his entire life that's ever come out mass market and this guy makes a second game, and it immediately shoots up to the number one slot in Board Game Geek, which is very impressive. Um, yeah. And it's been there okay. for a year or very close to a year now. Like, I can't believe how long it's been there. 
especially for a dungeon crawl game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really love Gloomhaven. Uh, it's basically you get a character, again, asymmetrical. Everybody's completely different. You all have different cards. That's the cool thing about this game is you get this cool, like, that everybody has to, like, try to figure out which cards to play, and it'll affect different things. But we can't tell everybody what we're exactly doing. Um, I can't mm-hmm. say I'm going to play this card that's called Rock Tunnel, um, and that's going to kill these guys. I can say, all right, I'm going to try to take these guys out here and hopefully move this way. Um, but it's all based on initiative, so, like, some things can change. Like, the monsters can move first where you may be only playing last, or you might be going first, but you didn't want to go first because you wanted your uh, your partner to go first. So it's all based on this initiative number, which is really, really cool, but you also can't say what your initiative number is. So you're just like, all right, I'm going to go really fast and try to take these guys out. Or like, hey, I'm going to go moderately fast, maybe kind of average, hit that middle of the lane, and hopefully get to the back there, take that treasure, and uh, maybe backstab this one, one guy over here. It, it, it's vague the things that you're saying because the the mechanics are it's trying to put you in the actual world where you wouldn't be saying, hey, I'm going to do rock tunnel and do three damage to that guy. It, that would never <laughs> happen. You would just say, all right, I'm going to try to take these guys out, and then you run and you do it really quick like in the actual world. So okay, it tries to get you into that, that mindset, which is really cool. I like that idea. Um. Uh, but yeah, Gloomhaven is really, really good. Uh, it is a scenario-based game, so every single time you play the game, it's a it's different. Um, you're going to be facing different energies or energies, enemies. Uh, you're going to be facing in different areas. Um, there's not a, several boards. There's a lot of pieces in this game that congeal to make the world that you're in. Um, so that's really cool. So like every dungeon or every crypt or every field that you're playing in is literally completely different from anything else that you do. So um, there's over 100 scenarios in here, which means you've got over 100 hours of gameplay in this uh, box alone, which is great. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are changing that you're actually placing stickers on uh, to upgrade your guy or upgrade your, your character, your cards, uh, your modifier deck. All this stuff is going on. It's a really, really cool game. Um, I really love Gloomhaven. Like I said, the only reason it's down so low now is I think what it is is the buzz has finally worn off me. The hype is finally rubbed off, and I still love the game, and it's still my favorite dungeon crawling game. But as my mind is finally starting to play more and more, um, I don't know. They're called Euro-style games where it's more or less thinking about different stuff and building that engine or work, placing workers and stuff like that. I think dungeon crawling is kind of slowly falling down for me, so... Which is sad, because oh, no. I do like rolling dice, chucking dice, and moving my guy along to kill baddies. But, yeah, <laughs> Gloomhaven's still a great game, though. All right. That's good. That's my number 17. <laughs> sad that it took Gloom such a big draft, just because it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not the only reason. Um, <laughs> to me, my taste has changed, I think, over the last year. Yeah. So it's just not... The thing, how I had to build this list was like one of those, like, all right, would I like to play this game or this game more? And every time it came to Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven just kept stepping back and back and back and back because I was like, oh, I'd rather play this game over Gloomhaven. So I'm telling you right now, this list was very, very difficult to make. All right, (laughs) we're going to go into number 16, which is a game called Small World. I've played this game a couple times, and it's always been with my buddy Sean. And basically in this game, uh, everybody is given 
uh, not randomly, we all get to choose, like in a draft almost, uh, a, mm-hmm. a race and then a power. Um, and the, they're completely different. You'll never see I've seen, I've played this game a few times, and there's never been the exact same races paired up with that power. It's so crazy how they oh, do it in cool. the game. But you could be a giant human, or in the next game you play, you could be a giant homunculus. Like, it's crazy the amount of stuff <laughs> that's going on. Um, but, yeah, so basically you're going to get all the tokens to those uh, races, and basically you're going to be placing them out into different areas of this small world. And it's an area-controlled game where you're going to be placing these pieces out and trying to take for the majority of pieces that your, uh, your, 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 your characters are in, your tokens are in. So uh, basically you just acquire a lot more money, a, a lot more points, and uh, you're going to be placing new people out there. Um, uh, and then once you've placed all your tokens on the board, you can just stay there if you want, but there is attacking in this game where people are going to slowly whittle your pieces away so they can have majority in an area, so they can gain those points. But the cool thing about this game is you can always go in what is called decline, where you flip all your markers over as if they're dying. They're still giving you points, but they're dying. But at this point, you've chosen a new race and a new power. So you can put more pieces on the board, try to get more, more stuff. But your strategy always changes because the powers in these races are vastly different. It's like, all right, these giant humans will allow me to just pretty much step on anybody I come across, but I just don't get as many of them. So when I'm placing these pieces out. I'm smashing everybody, but I'm not getting a whole bunch of land because I'm not spreading like uh, wildfire. I'm just stomping their faces in really good. Um, you can go <laughs> into decline, I think, as many times as you want. Um, normally in a game, you usually only go into decline once. I've seen a couple of times where I think I've gone into decline twice, and a couple other people have maybe gone to clients twice, but because the game is based in rounds, how many rounds there have been, or there are, I think it's like seven or something like that, or maybe it's been on the player count, um, the game's going to come to an end. And you don't want to go into decline as much because once your guys are in decline, you can't move them anymore. They still give you points, but you can't move them anymore. Uh, you're oh, just shit. stuck with the new race and power that you, you've chosen. So uh, your strategy is going to change. So you don't want to go into decline very often unless you absolutely have to. Um, so you can actually <laughs> move like your pieces scene. and wipe out the pieces of them. Yeah. Uh, Small World is a great game, though. I know it's Sean's number one game. That may have changed over this year, but um, I know it's been his number one game for as long as I've known him. Uh, it's an amazing game. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've only won this game once because it's very difficult to beat Sean at. But the first time I played it, I went and I felt great. I felt like a, a like a movie star. Maybe not completely like a movie star because that doesn't make the most sense. I felt like Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> no, that was bad now. That's what I did there. But yeah, no, this is a super fun game though. I love Small World. That's my number sixteen. All right. I needed to get some water. I'm doing a lot of yapping. Sorry, guys. If you guys don't want to hear... <laughs> Got to keep games, lubricated. The episode, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number 15 is Harvest Moon in a Box. And, Kevin, I think you know oh. that I love the, the moon of which I will harvest. <laughs> I know that speaks to your very soul. Oh, it does. This game is called Caverna. 
it is a farming game where you're going to be farming. That's it. Um, you're going to be either in uh, – basically, you're these cave dwarves, uh, and outside of your cave is these lush fields and some forests and stuff like that, and you're going to be tearing that forest down to turn it into more of your farm. Um, but you can also <laughs> dig deeper into your cave to try to get uh, uh, new uh, – I guess like, I think there's some resources. There's ore that you can find in there. There's rubies that you can find in there. But basically, you're carving this cave out so you can turn into new rooms for because you live in the caves. You want to try to turn these into rooms for your family so you can hopefully grow your family. Yes, you can fuck in this game, and you can make children. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> I mean, can't uh, we just have one without the other? <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> I would like to take the fuck action, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes. But it's, it's very, no consequences. It's a very fun, fun game where you are just kind of going out into the field trying to grow new vegetables or raise new horses or I think it's horses, cows, it's pigs. Maybe those are mm-hmm. the ones. I don't remember. Um, but you're going to be raising new animals, uh, growing new vegetables, uh, mining, uh, all sorts of shit. It's a great game. I really love this game. Um, but at the end of every round, you always have to remember that you have to have enough food to feed your family. And that's where this game really <laughs> – a lot of people don't like this, what is called feeding mechanic, because uh, the guy who designed it is a designer called Uwe Rosenberg. And basically, in a lot of his games, he adds this feeding mechanic that stresses people out. But I've heard that converting <laughs> does this in the best way because it doesn't stress them out as much because there's many ways to feed uh, your, your family. Um Mm-hmm. So I'm happy with that. Like, you can just kill your pig and turn that into food in this game. Or you can just eat some of the vegetables that you were planning on possibly using to, I don't know, maybe sell on the market to get some victory points. But in this case, it's either victory points or you're going to kill your children. But uh, it's a fascinating <laughs> game. Can you eat the children? Feed one of them to the rest? Uh, no, I wish. Oh, that would have Look, been great. we only have enough game. food for some of us. It's one of the very first worker placement games I've ever played. The first one being Agricola, which was the first version of, like, Caverna, where, to me, yeah. it's streamlined Caverna, or Agricola. Agricola is really cool, but it seems too random for me because there's these cards, and the first time I played with that mechanic, I fucking got the shittiest cards, and there was no way I was going to win in that game. Where Caverna, <laughs> you don't get cards. Everything's just laid out for you. You have perfect information. Um, you could come up nice. with a complete strategy where, yes, uh, I, I figured out the puzzle. This will give me the most points ever, every single time I play. But if you're playing with other people, they might take different spots ahead of you. Again, this is worker placement. So in a worker placement game, you're going to place your, your dwarves in a certain spot on the board, which blocks everybody else from taking that action. So maybe the, the game will change because of that. Yes, it is perfect information, but there is a little, I wouldn't say take that per se, but there is that little, hey, I blocked you off. Oh, shit, I can't take that move now. I needed to do that move. So (laughs) it is cool. I really like that. Um, But, yeah, workplace, love that that mechanic. Um, But that's Caverna. Like I said, it's Harvest Moon in the Box. If you like farming, if you like diving into caves, if you like uh, raising some aminals, this is the game for you. Caverna, my (laughs) number 15. All right. Number four, Sim Farm. Where's that on my list? <gasps> oh, here it is. Number 14. Hold on. I'm just going to rub one out real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number 14 
is a game called Clank, the adventure deck-building game. In this game, maybe it's called the deck-building adventure game. Wait, the deck-building adventure. That's what it is. Um, Clank is a really, really fun game. It takes deck-building and it flips it on its head. Deck-building, like I said, in Ascension and Mystic Vale is most of the time where you're just building that engine, trying to make that deck the best you possibly can. In this game, you're building your deck, yes, but you got uh, also a, a giant board, like a crazy dungeon that you're walking through and trying to get a bunch of treasure and loot and artifacts because these are all going to give you points at the end of the game. And The game board is split in half. Um, and I'll get back to that in a second. But basically, these cards that you're going to be playing are not just going to – some of them give you points, but most of them are going to be doing different things. Some of them will, if I play this card, it'll allow me to move my uh, my character token uh, called Meeples. It's going to allow me to move that Meeple along yes. the board so I can actually traverse through – yeah, I know. I love that name. Uh, I can <laughs> walk across the board with that sweet, sweet Meeple. Or some of them allow me to attack so I can go throughout the dungeon and kill some of these monsters that I'm seeing, which is really cool. Or some of them have a combination of the two. But sometimes when I'm doing these cards, I'm going to make a lot of noise, which then means I have to put cubes on the board. What does the cubes mean? Well, that means that I'm making noise, and the dragon, the giant dragon in this game can hear me as I'm walking around or falling down or all this stuff. Eventually, you're going to take those cubes and put them in a bag. And then, every once in a while, cards will come up to trigger the dragon, and you're going to be pulling cubes out of this black bag. <laughs> and if any of them match your color, that means the dragon has attacked you, and uh, you're going to take damage for that. So it's a really cool... Like, they could have just left this game at the... All right, traverse through the dungeon, grab some loot, and then uh, get back out of the dungeon. They could have just done that. But adding this whole <laughs> sound mechanic and dragon like always looming not only does it like threaten you because if you die in this game um i guess we'll come we'll go to this if you die in this game you only have so many hit points so if you die in the game if you're in the bottom half of the dungeon and if you die there you lose everything you've gotten and you just die in, in the dungeon if you're in the top half of the game though as if like you were trying to make your way back up but then the dragon had accidentally uh pulled some of your cubes and then you have died above you know this the top half of that board, you get to take all of your stuff with you. You don't completely die. You don't get nice. the cool, like, I've made it out of the dungeon points, but you do get to take all of the stuff that you have uh, have been looting for. I have <laughs> seen this game play. I've played this game a lot of times, and most of the time, I, I'm always the first one to get out because I'm always so scared. So I'm one of the first people to get out. And once somebody gets out, the game begins to end. Uh, there's three more turns left. And the dragon is always happening. It's always triggering every single turn. Shit. So, um, really, I, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. So I always get out of the dungeon, which starts that timer, which everybody then is just mad rushing, trying to get out of this fucking dungeon. <laughs> and I almost always lose because they're still diddling around in the dungeon, picking up more and more loot where I, I'm not <laughs> doing anything for those three turns. So they're just trying to get out. <laughs> and even though I got the cool 20 points for getting out, it doesn't mean shit. But I love it. Hilarious. It definitely keeps you on your toes because you are picking up all these sweet, sweet uh, items and loot and all this shit, but that dragon's always looming, and I have really bad luck, and he always seems to grab my cubes. 
Um, it's, it's a super fun game. I really love your the game. cubes I, and your pubes. Yep, my Cuban pubes. Uh, the game does come with uh, a few expansions now. So they've got a underwater. Uh, they call it the uh, sunken sea or something like that, or sunken treasure. Um, it's an underwater uh, board. Uh, the cool thing with this game is the boards are double-sided, so it's like different maps. So you never get really bored of playing the same map because you can just flip the whole board over and play a different map. Uh, and the underwater cool. one, it probably has my favorite board because you could start off just by jumping off a waterfall. And in my head, I imagine that I'm screaming all the way down as I'm jumping off this waterfall. But once you do this, you you accumulate three clank because because now you just oh, fuck. But I love doing it. But it does get you to the bottom <laughs> of the, the 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 dungeon or the bottom of this board a lot faster. It's just at a price. <laughs> oh man, I just love jumping. <laughs> Is off there the a way to get rid of clank? My head off. There are some cards that will get rid of Clank that's on the board. So, like I said, when you usually make a lot of noise, you're going to be taking cubes from your area and placing them on the board in this Clank area. And then when certain cards are triggered, you take all those cubes from the Clank area, you throw them in the bag, and then you pull some out. Um, But there's absolutely cards that get rid of Clank cubes from the Clank area. So you can never – I don't think you can take them from the bag ever, unless I don't don't know about (laughs) Um, there's two other expansions though with it. There's also a, a pyramid one where you're kind of like in uh, Egypt times, where the board instead of it being like a, a square on the table, it's actually tipped uh, on its pointers, kind of like a giant diamond. <laughs> and that's because the pyramid okay. goes up on the first top half, and then there's also you know a bottom half to the pyramid. It's such a unique idea. I've never seen this, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's just a gimmick. I don't give a shit. That's a great gimmick. It looks like a fucking gimmick. Yeah, gimmick works. That's amazing. Who cares? Um, and in that one, there's, I think, I don't remember exactly, there's some kind of mummy that's walking around giving you curses and stuff like that, which is pretty neat. But then there's also some other kind of dragon, like a weird Egyptian dragon, I believe, in that one. And then the last expansion that came out for it that I got from PAX is called Silk and Gold, where there's the spider that's walking around doing some shit and it's huge. You don't want it to touch you. It takes, it takes the place of the dragon, basically. And then on the other side, it's still a dragon, but you're getting mined for gold. It, as as you can tell, the more and more expansions come out, the more and more complicated the game apparently gets. But um, it doesn't, <laughs> it like never it. gets old, though. If you get if you get sick of the first version, play, another, or play a different board is basically what it is. It's a very fun game. I've never had a time where I played this and I did not have fun. Uh, just a good time. I wouldn't say that this is a dungeon crawl. I'm not really just walking around and killing monsters to gain experience points to level my guy up. This is mostly just a deck builder where I'm using the cards to traverse and find some loot. I might see monsters on my way to give me victory points, but that's definitely not the main focus in this game at all. It's get some fucking treasure and get out. We're saying. <laughs> uh, but that's number 14, Clank. Really love it. Number 13 is a game that I wish Kevin got to play, but I did bring it the last time I was in. My dad seemed to like it. <laughs> Veda seemed to play, play it and like it. A lot of people seem to like this game, and it's called Welcome to. It's the game Build Your Neighborhood. This one's hard to explain via oh, yeah. podcast because I can't really – I don't think I'm going to do this justice. Uh, but basically what you've got is a, a <laughs> Stop seeing the board. Cards. It's hard to – Explain the little cards yeah. with all the little houses. 
Exactly. Um, so basically you have this huge deck of cards that you're going to separate into three piles. And you're given also, or you're also given a player board, which is something that you'll actually write on. Um, you're going to be writing on this player board. It's just like a piece of paper. The game comes with a hundred of them, so it's not like you're going to run out of any, uh, all of them anytime soon. But what this paper uh, represents is your neighborhood. You can name your neighborhood whatever you want, which is the most important thing of the game. Name that neighborhood whatever you want. Um, I have it right here, and since I've been playing the game and I've played it. A lot. I've played this game a lot. Let me read off some of these sweet, sweet neighborhood names that either myself <laughs> yeah. or other people have called. Uh, oh, I can't wait. Spruce up this podcast. So we got Welcome to Flavortown. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Fur Burger. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Townsville. Plainsville. Buenos Venitos. Victory Village. Raisin Brand. That's right. I forgot I named it that. <laughs> Welcome to Raisin Brand. <laughs> Welcome to Brown Town. Welcome to Lucio to the Thug Life. <laughs> Welcome to Shem, which beta is just making up words. Welcome to Pooville. <laughs> Welcome to Chico. Quality. Oh, this one's a great one. Uh, Welcome to Peatland. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to China. I had some really good ones in here. Uh, <laughs> Shepherd's Pie, Alexandria, Shitsville, USA, uh, Pooh Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> oh, you are creative with some of these. Uh, Burbank. Yeah. There's a Burbank one in here. So there. You get to name your neighborhoods. But basically what you're doing is with those three piles of cards, they have on one side of them a number. And one side of them is an action. And on your player mat, you have three blocks that, you know, these are going to be your neighborhood. Three blocks, like streets, with houses on them. And basically these houses do not have addresses yet, which means they haven't been built yet. So the numbers that are on the card are going to be the addresses to these houses. So basically what's going to end up happening is you're going to take three, those three stacks, you're going to flip the top card of each stack, and you're going to place it in front of them. And one side of the card is going to have the number, and then on that other side, the part that's on the top of the stack itself, is the action. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to choose the number and the action corresponding to that pile. So you're going to then place those numbers in your neighborhood. Again, those represent the addresses. And you're going to be placing those on the houses on one of those blocks. And then in this game, you're going to be using those actions. And the actions could be trying to improve your parks or trying to build pools in your, uh, uh, in your neighborhood or maybe possibly doing a little bit of construction to make a house a little bit better, raise the real estate on some of these houses to make them worth more money, um, or you're trying to create almost like these subdivisions or lots. Um, and these lots will be worth a bunch of points at the end of the game depending on the real estate of your neighborhood. Um, and then what you're going to end up doing is counting up all those points from the different lots that you're going to have to the parks, the pools, the construction you've done, maybe some of the businesses that you've had, and then whoever has the most points in this game or at the end of the game wins. The unique thing about this game is those three decks does not mean that if I take one of those decks or one of those cards and I choose to use them, that doesn't mean that it just belongs to me. Kevin can then also use those exact same cards. But the fascinating thing about this game is 
we all have the exact same. We can we can do the exact same choices. I can choose exactly what Kevin chooses every single time. But where I put it in my neighborhood is more likely than not going to be different. Unless I'm just straight up staring at his sheet and just copying everything that he's doing. <laughs> I've never had a game where it's ever been samey. It's a, a super unique game into the fact that I cannot believe how unique every single person's sheet is at the end of the game. Some people might work more on pools to try to get a whole bunch of points where maybe I'm working specifically on parks or the other person's working on the lots. There's so many different strategies you can go with. And because I'm not staring at everybody's sheet, I don't know what they're doing. So it's such a crazy game. I love this game. It's a fascinating game. I love this. I mean, this is one that could probably have gone higher on my list, but I just, that's usually how these kind of like smaller filler games usually are. It's like, oh, yeah, they're so fast to play. They're so easy to play, so easy to learn. Uh, there's other games I just wanted to give more credit to, but I cannot stress enough that Welcome to is such an amazing game. Um, it's usually the game, like, after we play a very, very long and heavy game, everybody's just like, oh, God, that was, that was an exhausting game almost. Then I'm like, all right, let's play Welcome to. And then everybody's just it's so relaxing to play. You're just choosing a number. You're putting it in your neighborhood. Like, all right. I get to improve one of my parks that turn. So it's so, so nice. Just, ah, this is the good vibes. The good, good vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. them good, good it's a vibes. shame I couldn't get, I couldn't get that to uh, the table to play with you, Kev, because uh, I think you'd probably like that. It's a very simple yet relaxing, fun game, just building that sweet neighborhood up. Um, but, yeah, welcome to Next it. time in Washington. All right, moving on. Yeah, number two is my third and final tie. My nose, hold on. Let me drink some water. My mouth's getting dry. My nose's getting runny. <laughs> let me let me stick some water in my nose. Flush yeah. it out. All right, number number twelve is the tie of Pixel Tactics and Summoner Wars. Both games to me are kind of similar. Uh, Summoner Wars is a little bit more luck driven. Uh, but both games offer a whole ton of variety where basically you're going to uh, choose some people, choose a deck or choose some people or w- what have you, and then you're going to play with those. So in Summoner Wars, you're going to choose a whole faction, and that's going to be your deck for the game. Where in Pixel Tactics, the way I have it set up is you're going to choose a deck. Kevin and I always just play with the Mega Man deck uh, because we love mm-hmm. that. But you can choose one of the decks that have ever come out with Pixel Tactics, and you can play with that. Some of them might be more magic-heavy or melee-heavy, but either way, both of them have to do with a kind of like a grid board, and you're going to be placing uh, heroes onto this board, but no matter what, you're going to have at least one leader. And the same thing in uh, Summoner Wars. Summoner Wars, you have one summoner, and basically you're just trying to attack each other until your summoner or your leader dies. Once the leader dies, the other person wins, and everybody screams in happiness and they congratulate each other. The main reason why Pixel Tactics <laughs> is up this high is because I fucking love Pixel Tactics. I love Summoner Wars as well, but man, god damn, I didn't want to knock Summoner Wars completely off this game. I definitely think Pixel Tactics is, to me, it's much better because I don't have to roll dice. Nice. And usually when I roll <laughs> dice, I always lose because I have terrible luck, but Pixel Tactics, you do, what, you do the attack, whatever says on the card which is really cool. But the way that you're going to be placing your cards down in this grid will activate those cards in different ways. So my, this card says if I put it in the top row, 
it's going to do this. Or if I put this card in the back row, it's going to do this. And some of these things can combo off each other like crazy. Like I love Charge Man because he can rush in there and do a hit, and then I can oh, still yeah. do something else. Or some of them like, all right, I'm going to buff up Charge Man, and then if I have Charge Man run up, he's not only going to be buffed right now, I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of damage to this person up in that row. It's, su- it's such a great game. Oh, man, I love Pixel Tactics so much. It's one of those games I could probably sit down and play, honestly, all day. Because the game is always going to change because you have this yeah. deck of 25 cards. And those 25 cards are all completely unique. So it's never like you're going to run into duplicates. And if you shuffle in all the Mega Man stuff and then create 25, most of the time you probably won't even have those same 25. <laughs> so it's such an amazing <laughs> yeah. game. Um, man, I just that really, really, really love game. Pixel Tactics. Um. Even the basic pixel tactics stuff, I've played that with uh, those decks before, and I've always had a lot of fun with uh, the, the basic game. To me, I oh, think... Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's all the same. Mega Man. Different characters. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more confusing than the other one, though. Pixel, or, uh, Mega Man really? is cleaner, which is weird. So they tried to throw in a bunch of icons, so you just look at the icon at quick glance and be like, oh, that's oh. what this does. But I've never done that. I just read the damn thing. And now all these icons yep. are clogging that card like crazy. Because I don't know what the fucking icons <laughs> are. There's so many icons. It's like, how am I supposed to know what the hell each one of these does? I'm just going to read what it tells me. Uh, Mega Man, uh, Capcom told Mega Man they didn't want those icons on the card uh, because it didn't yes. really represent Mega Man at all. So they just got rid of the icons, and now you just read the text. It's, just, it's so much cleaner through Mega Man. Smart uh, move. I just don't. Yeah. So uh, very, very good. Mega Man is definitely, I think, my favorite version of it, but the other versions are really, really cool. Um, yeah, so there's Pixel Tactics and Summoner Wars. I didn't really go into too much detail with those, but, yeah, I love those games for sure. Let me check my time here real quick. My time is, I don't know. Hold on. Come on, Peter. <laughs> Carry the four. 12.30 already? Holy shit. All right, got to put some pep in this. <laughs> it goes back quick. God damn. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Number 11. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Number 11 is uh, it's a survival game called Robinson Crusoe, where it's a cooperative game where everybody around the table is stuck on this island, and each objective is a little bit different. Some of them have to do with curses. Some of them just have to do with building a fire and trying to create almost like an SOS. Um, but everything that you are doing on this island, everybody's trying to work together to complete this objective. Uh, this game is harder than hell. It starts to slowly get easier as the game goes on, but, I mean, so slowly that everybody is just completely struggling the whole game. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Everybody's just, like, in peril almost this entirety of this game where different events oh, will go off, and then sometimes choosing one event over the other or one thing on the event can have consequences in the later game. Or like, all right, I needed to eat this turn. I can eat these berries. And then you eat those berries, and then you find out later in the game those berries have done harm to you because they've either hurt you or they've given you that sweet explosive diarrhea. Um, <laughs> yes. It's the kind of game I like. Uh, Anytime it, you have explosive diarrhea in a game. It's such a great game, though, because basically you're going to try to explore the different areas of this island and maybe gather new resources or new food or kill new animals. Um, or you're trying to build stuff like building uh, unique things like shelters or buckets or building different craft items like knives and stuff like that. It's a really, really fun game, very, very difficult game. I've 
Kevin played this game, I think, with every single correct rule, and that's because this game is very rules-heavy, very, very rules-heavy. <laughs> um, but the last time I played, I think we only missed one thing, and from my knowledge, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, where we did actually win, thankfully, uh, but it is a very difficult game. Um, but, yeah, Robinson Crusoe, phenomenal game. Oh, man, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite co-ops. If I want to play with some really good strategy gamers, Robinson Crusoe, that's a fun one. Nice. All right. That one was fast. This is only two minutes. All righty. Next, we've got number 10. Number 10 is a game that you've played, Kevin, and Nick has played as well, and this game is called Millennium Blades. I love Millennium yeah. Blades so, 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 so much. Uh, Millennium Blades is basically a CCG simulation game where it's supposed to simulate you not only playing the CCG, but also buying the packs of cards and building your deck and constructing it the way that you want. It's such a really, really cool game where it's real time. We're in the shop. And we, I mean, we get a total of like 14 minutes or some shit like that to buy whatever we want. So just buying some packs, opening them up, looking at the cards, like, oh, I could probably use that. Um, but you got two things to keep in mind. You can, you're trying to build that sweet, perfect deck, but then at the same time, you're also trying to build what is called the collection. And you can use that collection <laughs> to give you a whole bunch of points during that part. Um, oh, man, I love, I love Millennium Blades. It's just this really fun game with you and your friends, opening packs, you can trade with your friends, you can sell back to the black market. It's such a such a great game. Millennium Blades is fun. Tournament's pretty cool, too. Yeah, it is. Um, this is where you actually play the game, where you're building a tableau of cards, where they some cards will trigger other things, or some cards need to be triggered to give you points, but whoever has the most points at the end of the tournament wins that tournament and gets first place, then the second place and third place for different victory points there, but it's a fascinating game that I, I feel like they nailed that theme to me. And I, I would have said it would have taken uh, that whole like feeling from me where I never had to do any collectible card games ever again, but here I am playing Dice Masters. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge one day. Uh, so right. true. <laughs> It'll never fully Number go away. 10. That itch is one that I just know. cannot be scratched. Yep. It is eternal herpes. All righty. So... <laughs> Number nine. Number nine is a game called Dice Forge. Dice Forge is a game where you get two dice, and these dice you can replace the faces on, almost kind of like Legos, I guess. You can pop the faces off these dice and put new faces on, giving you new opportunities or possibilities in the game. So basically, you're going to be rolling these dice to uh, accumulate different resources. Uh, basically, you'll spend those resources on to either gain more dice faces or these cards. Uh, you go on quests to get cards. And these cards will give you, uh, basically, these are the ones that are going to give you victory points throughout the game. You can use those victory points, uh, or you're going to accumulate more victory points to try to uh, win the game. The game is going to play in a series of rounds. And, uh, you know, at the end of uh, the game, whoever has the most victory points wins. This game is so high up on the list because maybe because a lot of the times when I play this game, I almost always win. Which is weird because I don't oh. win in games. I love playing games, and I'm <laughs> definitely, when it comes to board games, I'm not competitive. In sports, I am, but board games, I'm definitely not competitive. I just love the, I just love the nature of playing games and having a social time uh, just with friends or family or whatnot, and I just, that's why I love board games so much, and finding these unique uh, mechanisms and stuff like that is really cool. It's fun to explore, um, but 
Man, do I yeah, you save all the competitiveness for the for the boxing game at the arcade. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dice forge is just a lot of fun. I just always have uh, a good time trying to change the faces on the dice, or buying these certain cards, or trying to do really cool things in the, in the game. Um, I find this game to be very unique just because of this dice me- uh, mechanic. I don't know. I really like dice forge. It's really cool and it's fast. It doesn't take that long to play. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a it's a really fun game. Uh, Dice Forge. That's my number nine. Look at that. I'm cruising now, Kevin. I just did three games in like like six minutes. Damn, you're breaking the land speed record. That? Yes, I'm like the Green Lantern. That doesn't make sense. All right, number <laughs> nine. Oh wait, that was my number nine. Number eight also has Dice in its name. I call this game Dice oh. Masters. Oh, I love yeah. The greatest game ever created um, by man. It may uh, not have even been created by man. It may have been just a gift from the gods. It is a gift from the gods. Straight from the <laughs> gods. Um, now, one of my favorite mechanisms in any board game is deck building. I love deck building, and I get a sense of that in this game. Because in this game, what you do is you're going to choose eight cards. All right? These eight cards are going to bring with them dice. And you don't get to have those dice right away. Over the uh, uh, playtime of the game, what you're going to do is you're going to buy dice to place into your bag. Um, And this bag is pretty much your deck. So you're going to be building your bag. It's kind of like a bag building game or a pool building game. We're going to be buying new dice to hopefully roll later so they can become sweet, sweet guys to help fight for you. uh, you get four basic dice, or I'm sorry, eight basic dice in the beginning of the game. These are going to help you try to uh, acquire, so you can acquire certain uh, heroes or monsters or whatever you're trying to do. Um, I should start off by saying Dice Master's theme is a lot of things. So the theme, uh, <laughs> yep. Kevin always plays the Marvel side of things. He's uh, all about that sweet, sweet Marvel life. Um, and he's got, I think, most of the characters that have come out in the Marvel side of life, uh, which is so cool. Uh, so he could pretty much play anything that he wants, from X-Men to the Avengers to probably do Spider-Man. Most of them. Yep, I know. I believe you. And I and the, <laughs> No, no. I don't like Marvel that much. I think Marvel's cool. I don't dislike <laughs> Marvel. It just, it's just not really my fancy. Um, but I have Yu-Gi-Oh, because uh, I like Yu-Gi-Oh, but they got Yu-Gi-Oh Dice Masters. Um, and then I also have the Dungeons & Dragons Dice Masters, because I really like fantasy. So I, I, Kevin gets to play Deadpool and Wolverine and uh, Psylocke, and I'm playing Goblin or a giant. It doesn't really <laughs> or a dinosaur always to play with these or a dinosaur, which I love playing the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, I should play with more dinosaurs. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, you're going to verse each other, and uh, you each person has 20 life. And you're trying to bring that life down. The first person to bring the other person's life down to zero wins the game. Uh, But, yeah, you'll be rolling dice and trying to buy new dice so you can roll them and place out into the field. Um, I'm not going to explain every mechanic because it's almost impossible to see what the hell I'm (laughs) talking about. But Dice Masters is, by experience, one of the greatest experiences that I've had playing with Kevin because we we both enjoy the game a lot. Um, I I really like the game. I like I like the different themes and stuff like that that come with the game. Uh, uh, hopefully get some DC ones on my side so Kevin and I can have the uh, the epic battle of DC versus Marvel. Um, 
I think that that would be pretty fun. Um, but yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff you can get for the game, and it's uh, truly a fun experience. That is number two. Yeah, eight. I got a little addicted yeah. to them this year. <laughs> By a little, he means to say he got a lot addicted to them. I, I did the same thing, but I did it more behind the scenes. But Kevin had way more to acquire. Uh, Marvel is huge <laughs> sure. for Dice Masters. Like, this was a huge, huge, huge push for Marvel into uh, what, WizKids, who are the creators of this game. I think it's WizKids. Um, yep. Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, um, but basically, uh, Marvel pretty much just said, hey, yeah, you can have a license. They just gave that license away. And they've made everything for that. In the D&D, they had three sets. And it doesn't compare anywhere compared to Marvel's. Like, I don't even know how many sets they have. It's ridiculous. Because it seems like every movie they come out with, they come out with a new set. Yep. <laughs> and some just random little sets that have, like, you know, eight people in it. Yeah. It's... it's how bizarre, how bizarre. All right. Uh, so, that is Dice Masters, my number eight. I enjoy the game. Number seven. I almost guarantee you my number seven will move up. And when I say almost guarantee, I guarantee it. It's going to move up. And that's <laughs> Dinosaur Island. I love Dinosaur oh. Island. We've only played it twice. I'm playing it again today. Uh, we messed up the rules, nice. though, the two times that we played it. But we've messed it up pretty bad. And that's the only reason why it's at number seven. <laughs> because I haven't played this game in its full glory yet. Um, but we will be playing it today with its full glory. My buddy says it's way better with the rules being corrected. So uh, <laughs> I'm very, very What excited. did you do wrong the other time? Uh, so there was not really a way of acquiring money, which is a really big part of this game. Um, so we always thought that the only ways you can get acquire money is by uh, there's one, it's a worker placement game. So you can place one of your workers and just try to venture capital, uh, which gives you money. And then also in your park where you place uh, different um, merchandise areas, like maybe you're trying to sell food or sell shirts or whatever, um, you can either choose to acquire the money or acquire victory points. And obviously victory points is what you'll need to win. But I, I just bought a bunch of those, which is what gave me money. Well, my buddy tried to go straight for dinosaurs, but he couldn't do that anymore because he ran out of money. He's like, I, we can't, oh, how shit. come this park only generates like two or three gold? It's ridiculous. So he found out that, <laughs> which makes sense, for every single person who comes to the island, they give money. Because obviously they're buying a yeah. ticket. But we didn't think of that. Yep. So um, he he had his excitement built up a lot. And the excitement... Um, is compared to how many people are coming to your park. So if his excitement is 10, 10 people come to his park, which means that's 10 gold right there. And whether or not they get into his Sweet. park or are eaten by dinosaurs, is, we'll find that out later. But um, he will no matter, he'll no matter what always generate that 10 gold at least because each one of those customers uh, have already bought the tickets to get to the park. They just We're not sure if yeah. they made it into the park yet. Um, but yeah, we didn't play with that rule at all, and I was very like, oh, well, that's a that would have changed a lot of things in this game that I would have done because I just pretty much just poured in getting merchandise and not do like dinosaurs because dinosaurs weren't generating me gold. But I ended up winning both those games. But he always felt like the game's called Dinosaur Island. I'm supposed to make dinosaurs, but I'm losing every damn game. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, Dinosaur Island is a 
phenomenal game. Even what we've seen, um, uh, it, the game is played in basically five phases, and uh, it goes, uh, well, each round is five phases. Uh, the first phase is where you get to roll these amber dice that have DNA on them. Oh, it's so satisfying, Kevin. It's so satisfying. Ooh. Oh, God, I love Those it. Those sound but, awesome. Yeah, these, these, these dice look like the amber from Jurassic Park. And then they have these little stickers on them that have different symbols for DNA that will help you build the dinosaurs for your park. Oh, my God. So you're going to be uh, placing... Is there like a little mosquito in the middle of the dice? No, I wish to. That was probably like way too hard for them to do, but... um, Yeah. But there absolutely probably could have been, though. It looks just like Amber from the movie. Um, But you're going to be placing your uh, scientists in uh, a few different spots, whether it be uh, placing dinosaur cages into the park or placing DNA onto your board or trying to do other shit. I'm not going to everything. But that's the first phase. The second phase is where you're going to be buying new stuff for either your park or, like, new uh, hiring new employees. Uh, they're called specialists. These specialists can help you do different things in your park that other people can't do. Or you can buy like I was talking about earlier, like different uh, vendors, whether it be food or they sell souvenirs or there's rides. It's it's all these different attractions that you're going to be actually physically putting in your park, um, which is really, really cool because you are physically – it's like Dinosaur Tycoon. Um, You're building giant cages. You're putting in rides. You're doing all this stuff inside your park. It's really cool. Or we go down to phase three where we're actually doing stuff within our park, either being uh, trying to raise capital for the park, trying to get advertising going, uh, trying to actually put the dinosaurs, spending your DNA to put dinosaurs into your park, uh, raising your security, because if your security is lower than what the threat level of is there in your park, those dinosaurs are getting out and they're going to be eating your customers. (laughs) So you don't want that. (laughs) So you're trying to hire new security to your park, try to bring more awareness that, hey, these are dangerous things. Um, and in phase four, you go to your park. Uh, this is where all the customers are coming to your park and you're trying to place them in certain areas that will probably uh, benefit you the most, whether it be trying to get some gold, try to get some victory points, have them go see some of the dinosaurs. Uh, some of them are what are called hooligans. Hooligans kind of sneak into the mm-hmm. park and they actually sneak in front of everybody, which means they're the ones who are going to go to these spots first, which really suck. I hate these hooligans, but I like that they're in there. Um, but they also don't pay for the park. So they just kind of sneak into the park. They don't generate any money. They don't generate any kind of victory points for you. They're just assholes. Um, and wow, that's when the awesome. dinosaurs escape, <laughs> in a shitty, they shitty don't way. Even... Yeah. So, um, but yeah, hooligans are a cool part. And then phase five is where you just clean everything up, and then you get it set it up for the next uh, round. Uh, you're trying to complete these objectives. Uh, once, once a certain amount of objectives are complete, that's when the uh, the game ends, and then we, again, we all count up uh, victory points at the end of the game. From what I've played, I absolutely love this game. Once I played again today, I almost guarantee you this would have moved up on my list, but oh my god. Um, the game is 90s themed, so it is pretty much Jurassic Park in a box, but it's 90s themed. Um, I'm getting my copy hopefully either this week or the week after, um, which comes with a bunch of 90s shit, so that the first player gets a slap bracelet. The game also, for some reason, comes with a thing of pogs. Why? For no reason. They just wanted to give people pogs. The pogs have nothing to do with the game. Maybe just a nice little, like, 
thing to play after you've played Dinosaur Island. You're like, all right, you played Dinosaur <laughs> yeah. Island. I love you can this also game. Play Pogs. Let's play something a little shorter. Let's play some Pogs. Um, yeah, oh, this game is so great. But anyways, that's Dinosaur Island. Spent a little much time on that one. All right, but love Dinosaur Island. Going to probably move up. Moving into my number six is a game called Thunderstone. On this list, I have a bunch of different dice builders or deck builders or bag builders. This is my favorite one by far. Um, this one is, uh, I don't know. I really love this game. I, it's it's a deck building game. You, you start off with a basic hand of uh, uh, cards that you're going to acquire new cards to put into your hand. But you're going to be traversing through this dungeon as well to fight different monsters. And we're all trying to do this at the same time. For some reason, this game, I, I like this game more than all the other ones. It just, to me, it has enough meat on the bones to keep me more invested in this game where I'm doing more stuff and there's more to think about opposed to just like, all right, I'm just going to buy these cards to build my engine. And no, these cards I need to buy so I can try to combo off of other shit so I can hopefully get into this dungeon and kill these big, big guys. It's not, I'm stuck yeah. just building this engine. This has, this says it's a heavy game as well, as in physical weight. The, the game I think weighs like 21 pounds or some shit. It's a heavy ass game. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love this game a lot. Uh, every time I've played it with somebody else, they also love this game. Um, you're just trying to get a bunch of cool shit into your deck, and you're trying to hopefully see if that combos off some of the heroes you have in your deck or spells that you have in your deck so you can go into the dungeon and do some sweet, sweet damage. Uh, basically, you're trying to find these keys. Once you find at least four keys, the end game is triggered, and then the big boss appears. With this big boss, we're trying to do as much damage as we can to this boss, and then, again, at the end of the game, whoever has the most victory points wins. Um, this one does not sound as exciting as Clank, but God damn, do I love <laughs> Thunderstone Quest. Thunderstone Quest is just, to me, my favorite deck-building game. I just enjoy it. Um, with, if somebody said, hey, do you want to play Clank or Thunderstone? I'll be like, let's play some Thunderstone. I love Thunderstone a wow. lot. Um, it's a very, very... To me, it's just a very fun game. I really like it. All right. Is that a new one that just came out like this year? Yes, it is. I remember that on the list last year. No, it was not on the list last year. This is a game where this is a third version of it. So, like, the first version came out when Ascension actually came out years ago in, like, 2011. Um, And I never played it then because I decided to go the the Ascension route. Then they came out with, uh, like, Thunderstone Advanced, which was a streamlined version of the first one. And I almost went all in on it. I almost did. And <laughs> at that time, they only did like two print runs of it. So then because I decided to not get it, because it was going to cost me some money for sure, um, I just denied not to get it. And then I waited and waited, and then it went out of print, and everything became expensive. Like the base game cost 200 bucks on like eBay. Holy on, crap. And Amazon. All these, I was like, there's just no way I'm spending this much cash. And then they finally announced, I think, a year and a half, ago that they're going to push out uh, their third and final uh, revision of Thunderstone uh, being called Thunderstone Quest. And I was like, I'm going to go all in on this one because they said they were going to include pretty much all the cards and art and everything from uh, the first two sets and then also enhance the game. And from what I saw online, it just looked like my fucking flavor for sure. So I love this game a lot um, and I'm glad I have it and glad I own it. Another one I'm hoping to play today. But yeah, that's Thunderstone. Next one. Number five. Pandemic Legacy. Oh, 
Dolomite. Oh, yeah. Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Let me be specific because there are two different seasons. Um, (laughs) At the beginning of this year, uh, Sean and his wife, yeah, Sean and his wife have decided to purchase Pandemic Legacy Season 1 to be a fun activity for all of us to play throughout the year. The game takes place over pretty much 12 (laughs) rounds. Um, If you lose a round, you get one more shot at playing that month. (laughs) I don't know why I made a fart noise when I said month. Um, but basically, uh, you're going to uh, play each month. So we started in January. So in the game, we physically started in the month January in the game, which is basically just basic pandemic with one crazy change that alters the game right away in, for the, in the, in the entirety of the rest of the game. Um, but every month is something different. You're always completing a different objective or something terrible, terribly terrible happens or um, uh, cards that you're used to playing with get torn up and completely just thrown in the garbage, which we don't usually do. They usually give me the card, and I eat the card. And now Pandemic Legacy is a part (laughs) of me. Um, But there's actually, like, lotto cards in here. What I mean by that is, like, there's certain cards where you have to actually scratch off that silver stuff to read what's going to happen, but you don't know what that is until you complete that thing. This game is so crazy and so unique. I wouldn't say Pandemic is not on my list at all. I think it's a fine co-op game, but it's just too bland for me. Pandemic Legacy, though, is has been mostly because of the experiences. Every single yeah. game is so different, and it seems like we're always just opening up something new that either like makes us so happy or pisses us off so much that <laughs> we're just always in awe at everything that happens in this game. It's such a fascinating game. Um, I'm not huge on the whole legacy style games that are out there now where you play the game and it's kind of like a one and done. Uh, Gloomhaven does that, but there's a hundred fucking scenarios in that game, so it's not like it's one and done anytime soon. Uh, But Pandemic Legacy, once you're done with this game, once you've completed all 12 months, the game is useless. You can never play it through those 12 months again because you are physically destroying (laughs) pieces of this game. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Why can't you just like um, you know not destroy them and put them aside, put them in a do not uh, use bin? Also, because on the game board you're actually putting stickers or marking it up, like it's never going to be the same, never ever again. Oh, um, he, that's uh, true. Uh, Sean is actually considering and actually framing the game board. Um, that way we can all show off the game. Uh, we've only got two months left. Unfortunately, we didn't get to do November yet because of uh, the holidays being so busy usually. Um, oh, yeah. I'm hoping we could try to get November and December done in this month so we can finish the game off, but what an amazing game. Uh, we've been playing with the same four characters all year long. Um, it's, been a, it's been a blast to play. Um, a lot of fun. Awesome. Pandemic Legacy. I so recommend Season 1, at, at the very least Season 1. I know that it's number 2 on Board Game Geek, um, and Rightfully so. It is a very fun game. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's Are you guys going to get it season two? We're considering it. The only thing that we're kind of like saying nay to, the fact that season one has been, because we usually only did game night once a month or maybe once or twice a month. Um, but it seems like it's taking, this game is taking up every single board game night. So we're not playing new board yeah. games. We just keep playing Pandemic Legacy. Uh, yeah. So we're not sure if we're going to season two yet. We might 
we might do it next year, but I don't think we'll do it this year. But I also wouldn't be surprised yeah. if somebody buys it for Sean and Amanda, and then they both just play the damn game. But we'll see. <laughs> um, but that that's my number five, Pandemic Legacy. I love that game. Very fun game. Uh, number four. Number four is my favorite co-op I have played thus far. Um, and there's a lot of co-ops on this list, like Robinson Crusoe, Pandemic Legacy. Uh, let's see. What's another one that I put on here? Gloomhaven. These are all cooperative games where we're all trying to complete one objective. Um, but to me, Spirit Island is my favorite. Um, basically, what you are is you're one of the spirits on this island. I told you about this, Kevin, because you wanted to be the white man. Yep. Um, basically, <laughs> yeah. you are a spirit and uh, uh, of this island. And on this island, there's these inhabitants or the native people called the Dahan who live on this island as well. And they kind of, I wouldn't say worship you, but they know of you. Kind of like the Greeks or the Romans know about their gods and they have multiple gods. You're kind of, I wouldn't say god, but you're kind of like, uh, almost like a Native American where they kind of believe in the ancestral spirit and stuff like that. You're one of these spirits. Um, which I will say, these spirits have some of the most unique names. It's not like, oh, I'm just a fire spirit. No, you're like the... The, the many minds that move as one. That's the name of a spirit. You're like, oh, that's such a great name. The emperor um, who pays for boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, such a, such a, an amazing uh, name to these spirits. But unfortunately, the colonists are starting to invade this island and try to turn this island into their new home. What you and hopefully the Dahan are trying to do is trying to either destroy them or try to scare them away, try to get them off the island. Um, we're all trying to work on this. If we're able to do this, then we win the game. If we can't, then we lose the game. Um, it doesn't go by in rounds. It's just they're going to start blighting the land or starting to destroy more of the Dahan that, you, you know, that are inhabiting this world. Uh, it gets very, very difficult because these invaders are coming in as people and then they build towns and then some of these towns will start to create cities. And the cities are very, very difficult to destroy in this game. So you're always trying to get rid of certain shit, try to manipulate your cards in certain ways. This game is such a, a, it's a brain burner, but oh my God, what an amazing brain burner. It's so much fun. I absolutely <laughs> love this game. It's so thematic. The cards that what you're playing are just incredible. Like, I play this card called Tidal Wave. Now, it only works on coastal areas on the island, but what it does is it wipes away a bunch of the invaders that are on the coast. Oh, that makes sense. The card's called Tidal Wave. Yeah. I can only play it on the coast, and it's killing invaders. It's fascinating. It's such a great game. I love it. Sweet. That's my number four, Spare Island. I don't think that this one's going to move very far off this list because unless they come up with another brain-burning co-op, I think this one is probably going to cement its way out here. Number three, role player. Role player is basically what it's called. It's a role-playing game, um, but only the customizing of your character part of the game. Where if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of people love the fact that you can customize your character. You're rolling dice for your stats. You're coming up with backstories, and you've got your alignments and some of your traits and stuff like that. Uh, this right here is that. You're you're customizing your character by rolling dice and then drafting those dice to pull into your alignment. Uh, it's my favorite game to play solo as far as ease, ease of play goes. I really, really love this uh, style of game. Uh, it's a very unique puzzle because there's different colored dice, and you'll need to place those dice into certain areas that match certain colors, 
but also trying to get those numbers to match up because you need certain numbers. It, it, it's such a really fun game. Um, man, I love role players so much. I'm trying to speed this up a little bit because I'm looking at time and I can't believe how much I've talked. Uh, but role player no is a very, very fun game. Um, it's good. It's just fucking good. Um, <laughs> it's just good, damn it. Yep. It's good, Phil. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that's my number three. Uh, well, for number uh, for role player, they did come up with an expansion called Monsters and Minions, uh, which add more to the game where you, while you're creating your character, you're also trying to kill these different minions. And then at the end of the game, once everybody's created their character, we all come together to try to fight a monster. We're not working together. We're just trying to get some sweet victory points, which always seems to be very difficult, but, oh, man, do I love that game. All right. Um, number two. Number two was number one last year, but is now moved down. And that number two is Mage Knight, Ooh. which is ultimately my favorite grand adventure style game. This isn't a dungeon crawl. This is an adventure. You're a hero walking and traversing the land. You're fighting some dudes, but what you're trying to do is find your way to the main castle or the city so you can try to defeat the evil that is corrupting the land. Oh, my Jesus, does this game fucking rock and roll, man. It's got aspects of deck building, but a lot of it is exploring and trying to figure out new areas of the land and doing the best you can to find these cities. But you're trying to build this like party up with you, so you bring the party with you. You got these a band of adventurers. Oh my god! It, it, this is the heaviest game. Uh, well, Terra Mystica and these two are are Mage Knight are the two heavy, heavy, heavy games um, where there's a lot of rules. There's a lot going on in the game, but Mage Knight just does it right, though. It does it so right. It is the epitome of a fantasy game in a box. I cannot believe how much theme, to me, is in this game. I feel like I'm a hero traversing this land. To go through a forest is going to take a little bit more time for me to go through than it would be to just go through these, uh, these fields. To go through the mountains, probably not going to happen. But I can go around the mountains. But i got to be careful because there, it looks like there's a tribe of orcs in this area that they're going to probably try to attack me. And they're just roaming around. They're roaming around. Um... Or uh, I can go to this mage tower. This mage tower is probably going to have some baddies in there. But if I can try to get to this mage tower, I can get a very powerful spell to add to my deck. It's such an amazing game. There's these ruins, or no, uh, a monastery. I can go to a monastery and try to be healed up and be one with uh, a god. I don't have to. I can burn that monastery to the ground. I'll probably lose some reputation (laughs) for that. But I have that option to do that. It's such an amazing game. It's so much Damn. fun. I can burn that shit to the ground fun. and get a very good artifact. Oh, man. There's so much choice. There's so much exploring. This is the greatest adventure game I've ever played, and I love Mage Knight. It's such a fascinating game. Uh, it's my number two, though, because when it came down to You do to need it, to play this someday, one, because after hearing you talk about it for so long, for these last couple of years, I think we I need to try this at some point. Yeah, man. I'm not against... I will teach you. I have been very faithful in saying that this is the one game I would never teach anybody because there's just so <laughs> much. But I'll teach you because it seems like you grasp onto rules fairly quickly. So, And it is cooperative. You could play a cooperative version, so it's not like 
nice. I we could play the game and then we're just like, well, fuck you, Kevin. Uh, hopefully you can figure it out. <laughs> we can work together in exploring <laughs> the land and uh, finding the cities and try to take down this evil corruption. Um, but um, when it came down to it, I had to compare this game with another game. And unfortunately, my number one game, not unfortunately, but fortunately, my number one game has moved to Lords of Waterdeep. I love Lords of Waterdeep. A lot of people say that this is a a gateway game into worker placement style games. I can see that. But I think that that's why I might like it a lot. There's There's enough there that every single time I play the game, it's always different. Um, from the cards that come up, from the quests that come up, to the buildings that you can purchase, all these different things are always changing. Um, it, it, you're basically just a, uh, a lord of Waterdeep, and you're going to be placing these agents into the world to try to uh, hopefully hire new heroes to help you complete these quests. These quests are going to give you victory points and maybe some gold or maybe some other resources, but then you can also go to different areas of the board that give you what are called intrigue cards. And these intrigue cards will give you different uh, actions as well. Sometimes they're attacking the other player or other lords of Waterdeep or they're from maybe trying to help other players to maybe build some kind of a diplomacy with uh, each person. It's such a, a such a uh, man, I love Lords of Waterdeep. And it came down to that. It came down to which one do I want to play, Mage Knight or Lords of Waterdeep. And I love Mage Knight with every, with every ounce of my soul, but Lords of Waterdeep I would play over any game in my collection if anybody said, hey, you want to play Lords of Waterdeep? I'd say, fuck yes, let's pull it out. This is also one of the only games that I have blinged out everything to the point to where I cannot physically bling out anything else out on this game. And what I mean by bling out (laughs) is uh, the game comes with a bunch of cardboard tokens uh, that represent uh, the gold or the currency in the game. I replaced all that with metal coins. Uh, the game comes with these wooden figures that you use to, you know, instead of cubes. Um, the cubes represent the different heroes that you can hire. I've replaced all those, and I've gotten 3D printed actual heroes, like actual fighters, clerics, and whatnot. Uh, those <laughs> agents that you played out were wooden meeples. Not anymore. They're 3D printed agents, and each agent is completely different looking. So, like, the blue agents are different than the red agents. They don't look the same fucking amazing um with the expansion which i would never play without the expansion you can introduce uh, corruption into the game uh which can give you negative points but there are different ways of getting rid of corruption but uh the corruption in this game is represented by these little blue wooden skulls you goddamn better believe i would replace those wooden skulls with some 3d printed skulls um everything (laughs) in this game i have replaced opposed to the boards in the game the boards and the cards uh that was my one gift to myself when I left the military. I was like, well, I'm going to give myself this. I love this game so much. And it really does enhance the game. Instead of hiring cubes, I'm hiring these fucking amazing-looking 3D-printed meeples, or uh, plastic yeah. miniatures, pretty much. Um, oh, yeah, Lords of Waterdeep does it to me. I love worker placement games. Uh, I think I learned that I loved that, probably with Lords of Waterdeep, because I played Agricola and Caverna, which are worker placement, but I was just like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Lords changed the, changed the game for me, though. Oh, man, did it change the game. Um, but, yeah, I think Dinosaur Island, I would probably play that. Uh, see, that's the thing. It's like with Lords of Waterdeep and Dinosaur Island, there's more going on in Dinosaur Island 
But for simplicity's sake, I would still probably choose Lords because it's such a simple game to play. It's such a fun, fast, easy, fun game to play. I just like it. But, yeah, that's my top nice. 20. Uh, that went on way longer than I thought it was going to be. I'm sorry, Kevin, that I <laughs> didn't get to talk as much. No worries. Um, <laughs> uh, Talking for chumps anyway. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> so what are you doing tomorrow That's for your I birthday? Anything? Absolutely nothing. I'm not doing anything. Woo! Uh, probably get my oil change. Uh, oh, boy. I'm going to go grocery shopping. The gift that keeps on giving. Yep. Um, I'm hoping if I can try to score this, uh, probably just sit at home, and uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and mash it. it. Yeah, probably a little bit of mashing in there. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's called mashing it Monday. So. I know that the one guy at work was like, "Hey, can you work on uh, Monday?" I said, "No, no, I can't work on Monday." <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Next Not year this I Monday, have to work sir. On Tuesday. So I'm going to cherish this one Monday. Um, but yeah, no, not not doing shit. Um, I did get myself a really cool birthday gift uh, that should be in Amazon or got from Amazon. Should be here hopefully soon. Um, oh, I guess I'm going to self promote a little bit because hopefully we can use this as well. I guess I can use this. Because my main complaint about this <laughs> podcast has always been about the horrible audio quality that we produce. So I ended up getting a podcast microphone and stuff. Ooh. Look at you. Yes. You're getting fancy. I know. I'm moving up in the world. I saw that you're starting the, uh, another show, huh? Is that what you're using yeah, to record? Yeah. Yeah, so I want to try to get my money's worth out of this microphone. <laughs> So, um, yeah, <laughs> for uh, sure. It, it, microphone, did, the microphone didn't even cost that much. I think it was like twenty five bucks, and it came with the arm, uh, it, and it's got good reviews and everything too. So it came with like the arm, the the oh man, uh, like the the spit screen. It's got, it's got like everything that you need for the microphone. Oh really? So, oh sweet, that's definitely. Yeah, I'll have to send you the link because it would be probably beneficial for you to have as well. Um, probably. But yeah. Does that go through your phone so, uh, too, or how do we? How are you going to be recording? So uh, it would have to go through Skype, um, oh. and then if well, if we did it, because I mean, if we did it, it would be basically through Skype, and then I got uh, a program yesterday that allows me to just rip the audio from Skype. Um, I can only do this ten times in a month, which is fine because I only plan on doing like for me only oh, a yeah. weekly show. Um, yeah, it's more so, than uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, so basically, all I do is just the uh, I rip that audio uh, from there, and then that way, that's what keeps it free for me because I don't want to buy for software. <laughs> um, but then I'm also uh, I also signed up for on the one thing uh, called Buzzsprout, which is a hosting a podcast mm. host. So they they uh, that's the place where I can upload my podcast to. And then I can only oh, do nice. up to two hours a month, which is fine because, again, I'm only trying to do bi-weekly and probably less than an hour. I would say probably within the 30 to 45-minute uh, uh, time range uh, for the one that I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, it seems pretty amazing. Um, 
<laughs> all the stuff slowly coming together. And then the nice. When do you think the first one's going to be up? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I want to have you probably be my first guest so we could try out not only the Skype thing, but because we have a long history with each other, like 31 years of that. True. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, basic, basically, Sounds so good. the podcast is called, the show's called the Gummy Bear Factory Podcast, uh, which I thought was such, I couldn't think of a name, <laughs> and then it finally hit me. I was like, I'm always sitting there working yep. in my Gummy Bear Factory. Um, <laughs> That's so, so perfect. I, worked, I, I was like, oh, man, what what should I do with this? And then uh, I was like, oh, this is perfect. And I was like, well, I need to have a cool, like, icon or logo for this show. So I spent, like, an, an hour or two yesterday working <laughs> on that logo, um, which is just so amazing because the, the font looks like little gummy candies. <laughs> so I was like, this is so great. Um, it really yeah. was excellent. I was like, this is this is amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, the show can just consists of I'm a host, and uh, what I do is I just ask these random, really stupid questions, and I just talk to somebody. It's kind of like an interview where I just ask dumb questions to somebody, and that's pretty much the podcast. <laughs> we'll be talking about things like pop culture and other stuff. But the main gist of this is where I ask weird ass questions. And uh, I just get hopefully some funny answers or just weird answers or maybe awkward to talk about answers. Who would win in a fight? Or would you rather do this? Or how come you're still fat? Like, I just want to try to get <laughs> as much of that sweet information as I possibly can get from somebody. Um, but yeah, I, I that's why it's in a short time. Some of those would you rather like you had the other day were amazing. So if there are anything like that, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what inspired <laughs> me to do the question thing was the would you rather that I was saying the other day. I was like, man, this would be hilarious to not just ask, but try to get an answer from because they was just like, what the fuck? I was like, all right, got to answer. Got to answer. You got a time limit now. Um, <laughs> You're on the clock. Choose. <laughs> yep. Um, this is also something that I'm going to completely edit. So that way I can absolutely confirm that it will be at this set time frame. Um, or if nice. we're just saying stuff that's just eating time, um, I will edit all of this stuff out and then be putting it on. So it will be a fully edited show. Um, it will be explicit and it will be on iTunes and Spotify. So those are the that's two, awesome. two things that I, I mean, I was doing a bunch of research after I decided to do like the podcasting equipment. Does the, well, uh, does the hosting site automatically kind of do that for you or they... You just gotta uh, sign no, up for those no, I still like, individually. Oh, okay. No, the cool thing is, is like through iTunes, it seems like it's free, but iTunes is more of a hassle. It seems like, which rightfully so. Oh. Fuck them. Um, but Spotify <laughs> it seems pretty simple. Uh, I know with iTunes. Let me see. Uh, do, 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 episodes. Oh, I don't remember where I saw it. Was it here? Oh yeah, it was here. So for like iTunes. Uh, you got to follow a bunch of different stuff uh, in, in something about an RSS feed. Uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass. I'm not mm, entirely sure okay. what all of this is. Um, but I yeah, know that that's where it seems like things get complicated. <laughs> I know in a broad sense yeah. what an RSS feed is, but how you make one, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I know that I got one yesterday, um, but I'm not entirely sure how to use it or what it even means. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, for the iTunes one, it's going to take me a little bit of work. 
But for Spotify, it's literally I just have to have certain criteria uh, underneath the podcast info, and then I can just straight up submit it to Spotify. I know with Spotify, though, they actually kind of do like a review session. So I don't know when it will go up yet, so I can't say as of right now, yeah, my my episodes are going to go up on Tuesdays right now. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen yet. Um, <laughs> but hope, hopefully soon. But, yeah, I, I definitely want that first episode to be with you. I think it will be super funny. I think it's going to be a great Sweet. show. Um, <laughs> and we'll go from there. I want to get Gully on a few times, Nick for sure, a oh, few yeah. times, on a bunch <laughs> of people. I just want random people to listen to us talk to random people, or me ask questions <laughs> to random people. But, yeah, the show is called the, the Gummy Bear Factory Podcast. Hopefully hopefully I can try to spread the word, but I don't want to spread it too much until I get that first episode at least done, so I'm not spreading the word. They go and look for it, and it's not there. Um, yeah. yeah, I still got to work on <laughs> intro music, uh, a couple other sound effects and stuff like that that I want to add into the show, and then uh, oh, yeah. then I'm gonna probably do the the show with you. But yeah, I got to write a new theme song. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh <There's> man, <laughs> yeah, but that'll yeah. be good. That's, I can't wait. That's what I did yesterday. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> it looks good. The Gummy Bear Factory Podcast, or the GBF Podcast, <laughs> which is the email to that. I had to set up all the emails yesterday for that as well. The GBF Podcast at gmail.com. Nice. That's, Damn, you're efficient. That's what I'm hoping. I know. I'm trying, and I set up a uh, GBF pod, or, uh, Facebook yesterday, too. Um, but I'm hoping oh, uh, that I can even get people to write in questions so I can ask these off-the-wall <laughs> questions, my interviewee. Um, yes. I don't know. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm hoping so. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I can't yeah. wait. Like, all right. Tell me your favorite time where you accidentally shit yourself. And <laughs> I just think some of these would just be really, really funny. <laughs> You're you're very good at coming up with weird random questions, so <laughs> this is yeah, a perfect podcast for only, you. Yeah, it's the only benefit that I have in life is just coming up with the weird stuff, so I'll have to <laughs> come up with some stuff. I want to script the intro out, kind of like what you do with our podcast where you start off with the whole, uh, uh, I can't even think of it now, but for the thing from the offspring, <laughs> it's just like, it's the thing that you listen yep. for every single time, and then the thing that I do at the end of our podcast is just flip your tip. I don't even know what it means anymore, but I always say it. <laughs> but it's not a show until that happens, until that gets said. Yeah. The show's not finished until that's done. But, yeah, there it is. Awesome. It is. The excitement's overwhelming. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. And if this goes well, then obviously if I, I'll probably just purchase stuff and then try to do other podcasts or whatnot. Trying to make our sound quality yeah, yeah. that much better, but I have a whole network good, going soon. Times. <laughs> yeah, I can easily do it. <laughs> and the gbfpodcast.com isn't taken, so I could technically do the GBF podcast. Gummy Bear Factory oh. is, though. I did try to look at that <laughs> and that is taken by a Gummy Bear Factory uh, website, so that, that I just can't do. What about Gummy Bear Factory podcast? Uh, I felt like that that was just too long of a website. <laughs> the Gummy Bear Factory Podcast. 
CBSpodcast.com <laughs> is definitely available for me. I thought I could fit this on a post-it note, but I can't. It's too damn long. <laughs> How am I supposed to know your <laughs> podcast website? But yeah, there it is. I've promoted and I've sell my my random stand about board games today. So <laughs> nice, nice. Well, do you want to try to run through Jason yep. X quickly? Yeah, I mean it's gonna be really quick, but I think we can do it. We got 15 minutes to try to fix this one out. Yeah, there's honestly like we don't have to go through the plot that much because there's not a whole lot of plot. Like there's a lot of setup, but once it really kicks in, it's just Jason on a spaceship killing people one by one. <laughs> really, yeah. that's just the entire everything you need to know. Um. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Jason is cryogenically frozen in a plant. I'm not going to go into the whole scenario there, but they're trying to like hold yeah. hold Jason. It in starts off in the year 2010. Which is crazy that yep. we've already passed that now. <laughs> and we didn't really have this crazy cryogenic stuff. But, uh, so yeah, it starts off there. So I guess they were trying to, my guess is with this movie, what they were trying to do is they're like, well, we still haven't figured out what we're doing with Freddy vs. Jason. So we got to, we want to do a sequel to kind of keep this Jason thing going, but we can't really do anything since the last one ended with Freddy Krueger grabbing Jason's mask. Like, we can't do anything around that time, so we'll have to go way in the future so that it would just kind of, <laughs> it wouldn't contradict what we're doing with the next movie that we haven't figured out yet. So I'm guessing that's what their plan was with this? Um, right. I I don't know, <laughs> but that would seem to be their, their rationale for let's have a big time jump. They also never explained how they even caught Jason, so. Yeah, that's a I good question. Know. Like, this movie starts off with, like, this uh, opening title sequence that shows, like, hell and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, cool, they're going to explain, like, how Jason came back from hell and stuff like that. No, <laughs> not really. He's just captured by some scientists. Yeah. And they're experimenting but on him. basically they <laughs> get cryogenically frozen, uh, where some chick also... It's frozen. Oh, God. So yeah. she goes to uh, kick him into the, the tank. She freezes him, but just before he's completely frozen, he stabs the tank with his machete <laughs> through the tank and gets her right in the old kidneys, which she <laughs> apparently doesn't bleed out. But she will be nope. frozen along with Jason in this room. Oh, yeah. Right. She's in a different so, room, but somehow still gets frozen <laughs> because I guess there was a leak. <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah, a small one. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> there's enough we, to freeze we her. Twenty four thirty three. I think it's twenty four thirty three. It's somewhere twenty four something for sure. I wrote it down. Um, yeah, twenty four fifty five. Oh. So nice. Way way four hundred years in the future now. Yeah, such a long time. Um, but now we've got <laughs> these explorers coming back to Earth One, I guess, to try to find some old artifacts and stuff. Um. I guess Earth One still had, but Earth One is pretty much dead now. Nobody lives yeah. there. Everybody lives in Earth Two. Um, <laughs> cleverly named Earth Two, <laughs> and basically they have the same naming things as like Coke, Coke Two. <laughs> That's the funny thing about that movie is Coke is also the president in Earth Two. Madness. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically uh, they they find 
some artifacts, those two artifacts being uh, some beings that might still be alive, a.k.a. Jason Forkies, and then this other chick, I don't remember her name. So they, uh, they take um, the It was uh, Rowan. Ah, uh, yes, Rowan. A boy's name, <laughs> yeah. perfect. So, <laughs> yep. Um, so then they go up to uh, the spaceship, which now they're going to bring back to Earth 2, these artifacts. The one guy who's in charge of the ship learns that Jason Forkies is this crazy masked murderer uh, slash serial killer kind of thing, and he could be worth a lot of money being uh, this old artifact from the world past. So he's like, oh, we've got to keep him alive. <laughs> After he we talks to some guy who's like dripping with sarcasm on every line. <laughs> like everything he said just seems so sarcastic. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> um, they, don't, I, they don't even explain who this guy even is. So um, Nope. They, uh, You'll never see him again. They start. Yeah. So they they uh, they get the girl back to life by using a bunch of these weird ant things, and she comes back to life, and she's okay. She's uh, apparently now she's healed, not completely healed. I don't know. I don't understand that. I guess maybe those ants healed her for. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, they're like little um, nanotech, you know, little nanobots that kind of go in and rebuild her tissue, I guess, cell by cell. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we uh, we then jump forward to Jason, which is probably one of my favorite kills in the entirety of this movie. Yes. Or not movie, but series. Is the is the uh, liquid nitrogen kill, which is yeah. Uh, so Jason starts to come back to life. Everybody thinks that Jason's dead, not to come back to life. Um, but they he he comes back to life, and the nurse that's in there uh, doesn't realize he's slowly rising up. He grabs her head, dunks her head in this liquid nitrogen, freezes her face, then he takes it and then smashes it on the counter. Oh, my God. Yep. This was amazing. <laughs> Just frozen bloody chunks everywhere. Oh, my God. Such an amazing... <laughs> to me, that might be my favorite kill in the entire series. It was amazing and awesome, and it's just kind of, it's so weird that that was the first kill pretty much in the movie. <laughs> Like, it's just downhill yep. from there. Yeah, except for the sleeping bag kill, which we'll come to come back to. Cause I oh, no. I did not enjoy that. <laughs> oh, why? I love that one. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it looks... They ruined it. Fake. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he was just, like, slamming one sleeping bag into another sleeping bag. It's like, that's not as cool as the tree. <laughs> Oh, and then he slams it into the tree. Yeah, he does it once, but we've already seen him slam that into the tree once. I think the best version of that is still on the like the deleted scenes for what was that seven? I think where uh, in the deleted scenes they actually do have him slam it against the tree like three or four times, but then the you know censors made him oh. trim it. <laughs> I didn't even know there was deleted scenes. I'd have to go back and see that. Yeah, that's still I think my favorite version. Dang. Yeah, well, that makes more sense. But, uh, yeah. Because this looked like Jason was having a pillow fight. It didn't even look like there was people in there or (laughs) even things the size of a body. It was just kind of like, oh, he's having a little slumber party pillow fight out there by himself. This one seemed to be, like, more, like, funny or something. Not so much funny, (laughs) but they tried to be funny. Like, when he 
when he kills yeah, the black trying to be funny. sergeant dude, uh, where he's just like, oh, you think one piercing through my ribs is going to kill me? And then he slams the machete through his, and he's like, okay, that'll do it. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it doesn't like, oh. even do it. He's still alive. <laughs> yep. There was a um, lot of uh, attempts at humor in this, like where Jason throws the one guy on like a big corkscrew, and they're like, what happened to that guy? He's screwed. <laughs> or like the time with the stupid girl who's uh, getting pulled back by the uh, the pressure of the spaceship, and it's sucking her out of the spaceship. And oh. Says, oh, this sucks on so many levels. I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> That's not even a good one. You could have just said this sucks. So many puns. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that was that was rough <laughs> but yeah so that movie like Kevin said literally just they're just he's just walking through killing one person at a time nobody's really trying to stop him they just keep running more and more without yeah I think the army him. guys try to stop him but they're all unsuccessful this movie I think more so than even any of the others had like 800 characters like there's just so many characters in this movie, it's ridiculous, that I couldn't even keep track of them or <laughs> who they're supposed to be at th- that certain point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're pretty much focused on the rowing girl, the scientist teenage boy guy, or whatever he was, uh, his android lady, and then <laughs> Sergeant uh, Doolittle. So that's pretty much <laughs> the focus of this whole movie. I did and, like that. Uh, or it was weird. I thought that at one point when the army guys were going after Jason, they mentioned like, "Oh, you got a BFG? Nice." It's like, what the fuck is this Doom now? <laughs> You're just straight up ripping off yeah. Doom. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I heard that too. I was like, "Oh yeah, the big fucking gun." Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was in there. That didn't even do it to Jason. Um, but we get to the, towards the end of the movie where. Uh, the scientist boy kind of does an upgrade to his android lady sex doll and basically turns into <laughs> this badass like fighting robot, which kicks Jason's ass. I mean, she blows yeah. off his leg, blows off his uh, arm, and blows off of his face. But then he is then apparently, I, I would only imagine, in that same room where she was upgraded, and he eventually becomes upgraded, which I'm not going to lie, dude, this Jason looked pretty badass. Pretty oh, I hated it. I hate that look. Oh, no. It's so dumb. This, for me, is where the movie completely falls off a cliff and feels like it was written by, like, a four-year-old. <laughs> it was just like, and uh-huh. then the machine turned on by itself, and Jason got an upgrade. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that part was stupid. I don't know why the machine turned on by itself. That made no sense. I don't know why, like, I mean, she shot Jason a bunch of times, which we've clearly learned doesn't really do anything. So he's clearly not all the way dead. Why don't you send him out the airlock now while he's at least got to reform himself so he can't, like, totally come <laughs> back. But, you know, uh, the, one, the one lady was already talking about, like, oh, back in the day we tried to execute him. We, like, we hung him. We stabbed him. We, we shot him. <laughs> we, like, did all this stuff. We tried executing him every way possible. None of it worked. Well, it's like, well, yeah, obviously you know he's not dead now. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe we never tried to <laughs> should not leave him. the corpse there. I like that when she's explaining all the executions, she says, 
and we even tried hanging him. Well, that doesn't seem like the most effective one out of all the things you just said. It just yeah. looks like you'd be hanging there, just chilling on a rope for like the longest time, trying to reach out and grab somebody. <laughs> After all those other ones, this seems like he's getting off light with a hanging. <laughs> what they should have done is like just blown him apart again, but not let anyone eat his heart. <laughs> just throw the heart right in the cryogenic <laughs> freezer. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, but basically that's the entirety of the movie. Uh, they get another <laughs> spaceship that comes and tries to rescue them, and only the girl from the past and uh, the boy and just the head of the android make it out. And I guess yeah. they live happily ever after. Probably one of the worst endings to any movie I think I've seen in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Where Jason lands on Earth too? Yeah. So in the new Crystal Lake, apparently. <laughs> yeah. How 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 close were they to this Earth too? It seemed like they weren't that close, but apparently. Yeah. Apparently Jason ends Jason up getting thrown out of the blood. spaceship, or like he gets the part that he's on gets blown up. So he's just kind of floating through space, and he ends up crashing onto Earth too, which didn't seem to be anywhere near where their spaceship was. No, uh, but they are. Uh, there's two teens that are on the lake, and they're sitting there just like, "Oh, look, a shooting star, make a wish." Oh, okay, blah 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 blah. Yeah, okay, I think it landed in the lake. What? We didn't even hear a splash. <laughs> what do you mean it landed in the lake? <laughs> And then they say, let's go check it out. <laughs> and then they go. And then the movie continues. Yep. I can't believe I guess we're the whole thing begins again on Earth 2 now. They mighty maxed it for us. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I honestly would have liked this movie, I think, better. Like, I like the time travel aspect and it being set in the future. Like, that's kind of interesting. I think it would have been better if they would have set more of it on Earth, too, instead of it being in space. Because that's just kind of like the joke answer of, like, what do you do when the like, franchise is completely run out of ideas? I will send it into space. Like, everyone talks about that with, like, Fast and the Furious. They're like, well, there's nothing else they can do except send them to space. <laughs> there's going to be driving cars in space next time. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> So, like, sending it into space just kind of seems weird. I would have liked it more, I think, if it was you actually got a better look at the future and, like, there was some good satire and stuff there. Um, I didn't like how they seemed to keep trying to rip off Demolition Man. <laughs> They're like the Microsoft conflict and stuff like that. Like, that's just clearly your stupid version of the Franchise Wars, the Taco Bell one. Yeah. Oh, that's the movie wasn't... I mean... It was entertaining. I enjoyed it as if it was like a bad movie, but it kept me kept my attention going because usually during these movies I I'll play something on my Switch or something just to keep me occupied. Mm -hmm. But this one I was like, oh, I'm kind of glued to the TV watching how terrible this is. <laughs> yeah, at least it was a different kind of terrible. It wasn't just the same thing over and over again. So I got to give it at least some Speaking credit for terrible. that, I guess. But. You need to go on Amazon and watch the movie Birdemic. What a delight that movie was. <laughs> I've heard so many things about that. I've never actually sat down to well, watch it, but I probably should. 
<laughs> I recommend watching it. I don't recommend watching it by itself. I recommend watching the version on Amazon called Riff Tracks, which are pretty much just the guys from Mystery Theater uh, 3000. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys, not the new ones. And watching it like that, because then it becomes at least tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I might have started watching that movie at some point and I just didn't make it all the way through. I might have seen like a half hour and it was just like, God damn. This is so bad. Well, the first half hour, well, the first 10, 10 or 15 minutes is literally just the main character, Rod, just driving his Mustang. That's the first 10 to 15 minutes. Nobody's saying anything. He's just driving his Mustang. Great. You get to see him do everything, too, with his Mustang. You'll get to see him drive down winding roads. You get to see him get stuck in traffic. And they play throughout almost all that traffic. You get to see him get gassed. You get to see him park the car. Yeah, everything. Everything. It's terrific. They spent a lot of money to rent that Mustang. Got to get their money's worth. Oh, man. And they want to bring up the whole fact of global warming being a thing. Holy smokes. <laughs> Is that why the birds are so angry? Yep. Yep, the birds are angry because of global warming, and then they got random characters in the show or in the movie that are literally just harping on the fact of global warming for maybe 10 minutes each without anybody saying anything except for these guys just giving a speech about global warming. Oh, God. That's just sad. Birds, you need to watch the Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks is what makes it probably better. But, hmm. and then, uh, yeah, there's that. So well, I'm going to send you a pretty bad re- movie for Christmas as well. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> I hope it's yeah. Manborg. <laughs> no, I wish it was Manborg, but I was like, no, 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 no. I got to go worse. Manborg's great. I got to go bad. So. All right. I got to go real bad. Well, I guess let's do the categories real um, quick. Um, best kill. I think we're in agreement on that one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty obvious. We're going to go with the cryo-freeze and the face smash. Um, yeah. Best-looking final girl for the series so far. We got Rennie versus Rowan. Rowan. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I'm probably going to go with her for best-looking girl of the movie, too. There's a lot of girls that are like, oh, uh, like, you're all right. <laughs> but... Overall, I wasn't super I impressed. Like the like, there was a lot of girls that were like, oh, oh, they could be good, but. Open shirt girl was just fantastic. <laughs> you know, there was parts where she was like, oh, man, like she's really good looking. And then some parts where it's like, no, nope, not so much. Like the part where she was like, like cranking on the teacher's nipples, like <laughs> she just looked weird in that scene. And like, it's the least sexy thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, she had like no hair. Was, I didn't like that. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Yeah. No, that's good. I'll stick with Rowan then. Okay. Mm, that'll work. And best character? I don't know. <laughs> that's a toss-up. Uh, than anybody who was really I'm that good. Say, I'm going to say the android girl. <laughs> Just because she didn't have nipples. Yep. That's, that's character really depth right there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Lady. The one thing this movie did do that I thought was clever is that Jason, like, you know, he's all frozen. They think he's dead and everything, but what brings him back? Two people are off having sex. <laughs> oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> that was I pretty funny. Loved it. <laughs> oh, God, I did enjoy so that. That's, that's clever. Yep. Oh, that was great. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, cool we haven't got cut off yet, so I guess we better I know. end this Talk. quickly before that happens. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hopefully you guys have a great rest of your weekend. This has been another amazing re- uh, episode of the Original Janksters. I'm Peter Jank. That's Kevin Jank. And as always, remember to flip that tip.